Yes. Let's do it. Welcome to the Star Wars Report Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, episode 477. I just keep leaving it playing. We continue our tradition of samuel kim's soundtrack for the uh, for the episodes recently uh welcome to the podcast guys welcome back we're here to talk star wars uh, like i said i'm your host riley blanton glad you've joined us once again we are continuing a flood of content over the last few weeks and we're back doing like an actual sort of normal show it's the star wars report after all so we're here to talk about the news in the world of fandom but before we jump into all that let's uh let's bring them on back into the fold it's my co-host with the most host it's Mr. Mark Herleman. How's it going? Hey, it's going good, Bryles. Dude, oh, God. I I don't know what I'm going to do without your uh, plugs of new music and stuff. I'm like, ooh, ooh, I don't think I've heard this one before. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's like, nope. oh, just it's always something new. And I'm looking forward to delving into some more of that later in the episode. Yes. Like, I'm pretty oh, excited. Yes. There's been... <laughs> Uh, quite a bit in I actually have a number of stories in the rundown we got a lot in the rundown guys because I really wanted to pull out any anything that we haven't had a chance to talk about over the last few weeks because I'm going to keep plugging we're we're in the countdown last episode mm-hmm. episode 501 uh, and uh, as we continue uh, I've been doing some of these interview podcasts so we most recently had on uh, the one and only William Devereaux he and I got to reminisce about the EU cast. You know a little something about that, Mark. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the one, one and only Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio. We've got some more I'm working on of the uh, the usual suspects. Um, I won't disclose any names, um, but it might rhyme with Schmeev Schmalson. They might have to do with Schmalsen. dropping microphones and saying things like numbers. Uh, yep. Possibly. That's a... That's a it, it sounded better in my head. It sounded, <laughs> it sounded a little bit better in my head. But you know what, Mark? I think. Um, well, and, and that's the thing is with the um, with the show. I think that's really going to be the flow of the show as mm-hmm. as we continue to count down. I, as I want to really highlight all the people I want to have back on and um, reminisce and kind of get a chance to talk talk to some of the the greatest. Um, you know, players in the podcasting world that we've had involved in the show and just like some of my best buds. So, uh, rounding it out with the heavy hitters. Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. But, uh, Mark, I'm glad to have you on too, to actually, since we've been missing on a lot of the, the, you know, the news stories that have been coming out and I'm anxious to hear, we've had a lot of books and comics news. So I think you're the perfect guy to have on. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump into the news. We have something to report. Some closer, I have good news. Data brought to us by the Botham spies. You can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. And boy, do we have a lot of news. Uh, in, in Mark, you and I were talking about this before the show started. Um, here, let me unplug. I noticed on the last show. There we go. There's a little bit of static. Let me, uh, let me click this button here <clears throat> sorry we're doing it live folks yeah. gotta gotta make make it all nobody no. gave solo crap <laughs> <laughs> well actually a lot maybe of people did. a lot of, well some people did but you know you Atlanta, know what better chewy <laughs> kira i am shamelessly doing this uh, that's the other thing is like as i alluded to before I'm, i've kind of thrown the regular format of the show out the window <laughs> I kind of I'm happy about that though. Although we are finally going to do Boba, I'm making a promise right now. We're doing Boba's bounty. All right, <laughs> we're gonna do Boba. I've literally not done a Boba's bounty in like months. So, um, but but what better way to introduce a new segment uh, about Star Wars than to talk about Indiana Jones? Because what the heck, we're talking about Indiana Jones now. All right, guys, 
Fight me. No, uh, that, was, that was a little aggressive. I actually have you know, to... You know, technically, Dr. Jones is in Star Wars, mm. courtesy of Legends, their end canon level Tales comic, where the Falcon crashes into uh, California. That sounds like... Are you sure that's not Star Trek, the, like the one with the whales? It's it's very similar. Yeah, yeah. It was an <laughs> alternate universe. Yet another franchise. You see, that? You see William Shatner? Four Bigfoots. And that's you, you, where we get the uh, mighty Bigfoot looking mm, like a hairy Wookiee. There you go. It <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. You see William Shatner made it back from space? Right? Look at him go. He needs to dare all the other captains. I mean, all right, next up, uh, we got to get uh, Picard. We got to mm-hmm. get Sir, what's his name? I don't know why, but I feel like we need Ian McKellen. Why not? Let's go. <laughs> right, Indiana <laughs> Jones. Indiana Jones. Magneto, you're up. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting show, folks. Um, John Williams uh, starts writing the music of Indiana Jones 5 in wow. one to two weeks. And I just think it's really important. The, you know, that's just a headline of, hey, no, John Williams is doing the music, which we already knew, right? Mm-hmm. It's just another headline because somebody confirmed that, yes, he's still doing the music. Why am I talking about it on the on the stars report because John Williams starts writing the music of Indiana Jones five in one to two weeks. It's a big freaking deal. Like I think, cause I honestly thought that rise of Skywalker would be his last hurrah when it comes to like a big blockbuster. I was like, he's got to retire at some point. Um, nah, do you do what you love and you can do it till you're 102. I Betty so. White, you better push to 120. I guess so. No, because he, I legitimately so and some of you guys were were listening to the podcast maybe not earlier this summer, but I jumped at the opportunity and by the opportunity I mean I guilted my wife into <laughs> my birthday present this year being to fly out to LA. We literally bought plane tickets and then bought tickets to the Hollywood Bowl to uh, see John Williams do a night at the movies. He conducted nice. a lot of classic Hollywood scores and then, of course, some of his greatest hits, too. And so I've, it's been a very John Williams-y kind of summer and year for me. And I've just... My appreciation for his musical genius has only increased over time. Um, and so I just saw this headline and it was just a warm, fuzzy feeling and I had to, like, lead the show with the news that John freaking Williams is writing the music for Indiana Jones 5. And I cannot wait to hear it. I, I like that he, he joked he never knows what Spielberg is going to do next and that Indiana yeah. Jones is changing by the second. And then I remember, you know, he gets to watch the movie before everyone else because he's the one that's taking and creating the music to go with what we're seeing. And I'm like, how cool would that be too on top of it all? Like you're, you're yeah. conducting music, which you absolutely love, and then you get these sneak peeks at all these movies and you get to have a hand in actually creating the tension and the drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he famously, so here's the thing about, about old Johnny is that he still does it the traditional way. He sits at a piano with sheets of paper and writes out the music by hand. And then, and that's literally how he writes uh, the, every single score that he does, no synthesizer, no fancy um, software. He can hear in his head what he wants the orchestra to si- sound like, and so he just uses right. the piano right there and writes every note. It's a it's a level of genius so, I will never understand. So Anthony Vivaldi or Beethoven? I mean, which would you say he's probably closest to in in greatness? <laughs> well, I mean, so I, I I'm a I'm a classical music. F- I'm not def- I'm not the biggest nerd. I, I certainly don't have a comprehensive knowledge of, you know, classical music, but I, I have like a few favorite composers. And so for me personally, I think uh, the the greatest, Mark, this is dangerous. You're asking me this because it has <laughs> nothing to do <laughs> with Star Wars. <laughs> Actually, kind of does because like classical music is what gave way to operatic music, which which is like the, some of the early classical composers were the ones that used themes for characters right. so that's that's where movie scores came from the idea of a character theme has been around long before movies so um to answer your question mark beethoven because beethoven is the greatest composer of all time objectively speaking um and uh, john williams is the greatest movie composer of all time objectively speaking these are these are objective scientific facts peer-reviewed 100 <laughs> percent universal agreement in an age where Politics divides us. Everyone can agree. John Williams, <laughs> greatest composer of all time. 
So anyway, Riley Blanton is. <laughs> you can see it now. It's happening, folks. Mm-hmm. People yep. are responding on Twitter. <laughs> Amen. Get that thing trending. Although I won't see it, but <laughs> you have fun out there. Um, all right. So, and I. That's not what I have. Two stories about Indiana Jones because I also wanted to uh, actually highlight a completely selfish story. Uh, but that is one of my favorite um, attractions at Disney World. Um, and Disney I, World, yeah, not yes. not Disneyland. Disney World, yeah, at, at, something special at, to the to the East Coast. Exactly, it is unique to the East Coast, and it is um, my uh, it in my it's in my favorite park, Hollywood Studios, and it was my introduction to the character. It's Indiana Jones uh, stunt spectacular, mm-hmm. epic stunt spectacular. Excuse me. Um, and it is a really fun show. And it was my introduction to the character. I'd never seen an Indiana Jones movie the first time I went to Hollywood Studios on a Star Wars weekends, hanging out with Steve Glosson and the, the Force cast guys and, and Scott Rifen. And, um, and we, we had a fantastic time. And, and, and everybody who was Star Wars fans and also Indiana Jones fans, I just, I'd missed that boat. So I was like, but of course, I'm going to go to the... the Everybody's ride. all excited. They're like, Riley's got a cinema cherry. We got to pop this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it is. It, it's a um, Indiana Jones. And that's, it's, it's funny, but that was my, my introduction to the character. And it's a really, really fun attraction and i'm so glad it's been closed all through the pandemic and they're finally opening it again and i'm very excited about it make watching the movies feel like you knew a sense of it kind of like how when you go to like batu you're like you feel like you're living it did did you have the opposite of that where you're like oh oh like i i i recognize that or any of that because so what it's a the, the the whole premise of the show, which spoiler alert for a Disney attraction, but the premise of the show is that you're getting an inside look at the making of a movie. So it's very Hollywood Studios themed, right? Oh. And so you're sort of you, you're introduced to the director and the actors and of course they're all actors playing these parts, but they're kind of like showing they're shooting this big action scenes and they have pyrotechnics and a moving airplane and you know, they basically replicate that, but it's sort of like your expo your inside look at big Hollywood movie making oh cool okay um, and it it, it's one of the last remaining um vestiges of of that because that was hollywood studios the whole the whole idea of the backlot tour and that the entire theme park was about inside hollywood now you know hollywood's a little less attractive than it used to be so hollywood studios now is kind of a like you know it's star wars land plus pixar plus Sunset Boulevard is kind of your one Hollywood-ish area, but it's certainly not the whole park. So it's kind of a it's an old school flavor of what those parks used to be, and I think it kind of um, it's kind of interesting that you know the Indiana Jones films and Star Wars, you know Spielberg and Lucas were rebels of old Hollywood, but now they mm-hmm. are sort of like the if you want to know what traditional big old blockbusters things those are kind of i think we kind of look back at indiana jones jaws and star wars now in the way people used to look back at gone with the wind and um casablanca and like those old movies of the 40s and 50s and so it's sort of it's almost become what we think of as iconically hollywood which i'm sure none of those guys when they those rebel filmmakers that hated the studio system growing up um, it, I, I sometimes wonder if you like went back in time and told S- Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, "Hey, you're going to be like the definition of the ho- Hollywood blockbuster is going to be you guys." Right. <laughs> like what they would think right. about that. So why did they remove it? Do you, do you have any idea as to why it was pulled originally? Like uh, did they make room for some new theme park no, extravaganza? No, no. Or the, it was one of COVID? just no. It was just one of many examples of. Um, they they canceled anything that had an audience, any shows. They just canceled. When they reopened the park, none of those attractions were open. So like the Beauty and the Beast stage show, um, there isn't there isn't a Star Wars theater show. But if there w- was, I'm sure they would have canceled it. Oh. But the I but I think and then they left it closed. And I think they left a lot of their pr- stage production attractions closed because well people weren't coming to the park and they weren't making much money and those things are very expensive to upkeep. So Disney just slashed a lot of the, and that's a big complaint in the Disney community right now is that a lot of the, um, the experience is only a, a a small percentage of what you used to get at the parks. A lot of the theater shows and live entertainment is all canceled and it doesn't happen. It's just, you know, the the attractions. Right. Understandably. So so it was a push 
kind of by regulations from COVID and stuff that pushed these things initially, down. initially. Okay, and okay. then I think it's taken this long to come back because, well, I think Disney's pinching pennies. That's just you know. Well, You've got a little of that. You've got each state has their own, you know, steps back to what they consider normal right now, plus what they want to be safe about. So, I mean, like that makes sense. But like where I'm at, you go to the theater and they're still dead. There's like, you know, maybe 12 people in a theater on a, on a new movie on a new night. Um, and I'm still surprised by that. Uh, our local restaurants and stuff aren't yeah. are barely open after nine. Like we're so yeah. short staffed and stuff that like when we're done no, with our haunted house here. and stuff coming in at, at 12 o'clock, it's like, it's in and out or nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, They're open to one. It is. Uh, it is. Um, it is interesting times. And I'm interested to see how, um, star Wars, I think didn't suffer. And in fact, um, galaxy's edge has, has sort of been a highlight of, Hollywood Studios because Hollywood Studios had a lot of shows and live entertainment that closed down. But that's for the Disney pot. Go listen in more detail. We'll talk about it in Mouse and Castle. <laughs> I'm getting dangerously close to the view. If you want to hear more of that kind of conversation, uh, tune into the Mouse and Castle podcast with me and Aaron. Uh, we have a we we are due for an episode soon. Um, so we'll be recording fairly soon, I imagine. But there you go. Well, Had to lead the show with ILM, though, mm-hmm. and, and Disney type stuff. Uh, you had thrown in there that ILM is welcoming back Bob Coleman and Randall Shore. Oh yeah, so that was kind of interesting. Well, that's true. That does kind of tie in a bit. I, I I think we could talk about it here. It's not. I don't have like huge opinions on it. I didn't even know that they that Rob Coleman was gone. But of course, Rob mm-hmm. Coleman. If if you don't know, which I'm sure most of you guys do, but you know, he's an iconic member OG member of industrial light and magic that was uh, key to all of the um all of the CGI throughout development for the prequels yeah and he's all through the behind the scenes uh famously he's in the background kind of groaning and probably having a panic attack as George Lucas took out his little pink and yellow markers as they went through the storyboards <laughs> and highlighted which would be CG and which would be <laughs> which would be a practical effect. And it's like, ah, CG. Arr, See, that's going to be CG. What I Arr, think's CG. pretty interesting about it is, is the position he's coming to, you know, um, they're going to be rejoining as the company's studio as the executive producer of featured animation. And I'm like, you know, I mean, we, we're getting a lot of animation stuff coming out. That is interesting. Know, on Disney Plus. So I'm like, Hmm. But we haven't gotten, it, it's only been uh, clone wars and bad batch, which I kind of see as the same thing the same creative team working on them this tells me they're expanding it but visions to me doesn't count because that wasn't developed in-house so the fact that you've got ilm industrial light and magic because because lucasfilm animation closed down understand that lucasfilm animation was was what produced um the clone wars and they had their studios in singapore all their animators were there and then they had the core group back in san francisco once that shut down, a smaller core group is what's been doing Bad Batch and um, uh, in, the, in the last season of Clone Wars. So to me, the fact that it's industrial light and magic, known for uh, for visual effects in blockbuster films, but they're having a, as you say, a key creative for feature animation. I think that is interesting. It tells us that they want they want someone who speaks. The, and this is what was a big deal to me, Mark. This is somebody who speaks the language of Star Wars through the lens of George Lucas, which I think right. there's there's a handful of guys at, at the company that that experience is precious. Right. And they can any, see a flashbulb and be like, hey, that'd make a good light. Remember, scene. Mark, everybody freaked out when like they learned that Dave Filoni had, had, been, had gotten a promotion and like a larger role at the company? Mm-hmm. Um, that was reflective of his work in produ- his sort of producing role with uh mandalorian and animation kind of basically his presence was raised um at a greater leadership level in the company everybody freaked out but i think that is indicative of events like this with uh bringing back a guy like rob coleman who i didn't even know wasn't at the company anymore right um He, he says i could not be more excited or humbled to be back at ilm in my time in animation we've been lucky enough to work on some truly industry uh industry defining films but the pipeline of projects that ilm has ahead of it is exhilarating and i'm thrilled mm. to be a part of it I'm like what nice. nice i love it oh, i love it i'm so excited and, and shore continues on he says we have some incredible feature animation products in production i'm looking forward to expanding our portfolio <laughs> wait a second he just, mm. 
This is do, exciting. Do you I think, like I'm I'm down. When for he cartoons. says feature animation projects, right? That tells me feature film. Mm-hmm. It's like a, I, a animated. Could it be the long? Not rumored, but I think the long desired. I've heard echoes of this in fandom for a long time of a of an animated retelling of the original trilogy. I could hear, I could see something like that. I've I've heard uh, with with the new Ronan book coming out, picking up off of Visions, that there's interest in telling a Visions feature film. Mm. And that'd be cool if they yeah, were to do something yeah. like that because that opens up the neat. realm of possibility for new things down the road. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot of po- possibilities. I, I mean, I will, I will say the most, um, the largest, think about this, Mark, for a second. The bulk of Star Wars conversations we've had as, you know, Star Wars buds of, what, 12 years now, mm-hmm. have been surrounding Star Wars animation. Because yeah. remember, Star Wars Report was around for five years before uh, any feature films came out. And yeah. continued during that time. So, like, the largest, just in terms of percentage of content that we've covered and talked about on this podcast, it's animation. So, yeah. I think the idea of a- animation um, being more and more uh, a part of Lucasfilm's uh, project development, I think that's that, that that's a good thing. I think that that's something that they've figured out. Right. And yeah. they're doing lots of throwbacks. Like, we've got... Uh, PS4 and Nintendo Switch are getting some old throwback games and stuff. That's uh, mm-hmm. recently announced. You get what Star Wars Racer, uh, Republic Commando, and the Jedi Knight Collection One and Two. Yeah, I wanted I mean, to. I wanted they're to giving just... love to these old things, so it's kind of it's kind of an interesting place. And then, you know, we've got Visions, which, mm-hmm. which not, again, not only I are s- we getting to dabble in you know new concepts of Star Wars with Visions, but we get new scores. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and, and I think the, I, I think, and I, I do want to touch on Visions uh, a little bit. I think the idea of um, Visions was cool. I, I, I think of it separately from like the other ideas of feature animation, but mm-hmm. but man, I, and, and you talked about it. I, I think we do have to, to talk about Visions a little bit, mostly because we haven't had a chance to cover it on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we really should at least cover it in terms of, and I've, I've played it briefly before, but the, uh, the music, they officially released all of the music. Of course, the flagship item that I would have to like highlight as my personal favorite is the, um, what, what do they call it? Galactic dreamer. Um, the, the, <laughs> saw, the, the, the freaking, uh, rock band hut. What's the best thing ever? Let's take a listen. Alright. One, two, one, two, three, four. Come on and lose yourself now, everybody. Do 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 dancing, heavy move your body. We could be shopping, tell you we love you. This might be my favorite episode. Mark, have you watched all the episodes? Oh, I think I think you're muted. Up. Rut row broke up for a second. There he, there he is. I think it was. Uh, yeah, the the audio was a little too much. Yeah, it was like I, <laughs> I heard Mark, and that was all I heard. It short circuited the 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 rock band emo hut was too much. <laughs> but I was asking if you if you if you caught, caught caught all the episodes. We hadn't really talked about them in depth on the show. Yeah, was that one from the Tatooine Rhapsody episode? Yes, yes sir. Okay, okay. Yeah, that was my favorite, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> it was so freaking weird. Right? I, I haven't had a chance to watch all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, my big problem right now is I, I'm so busy with the haunted house and all the other stuff that by the time I get a chance to sit down and watch any of these things, I fall right to sleep. Um, I went to go watch Shang-Chi, fell asleep. I got to watch it again because I'm supposed to record with Dave Sendon on Marvel oh. <laughs> cast about it. And I'm like, dude, I don't remember anything. Um, mm-hmm. I've watched the duel probably 20 times. That one was really and good. That's I, a good one. I, I've, I've enjoyed that one. Well, I got Ronan and, you know, spoiler alert, the first like two, three chapters of the book is that episode. So yeah. I was going back and forth to kind of comparing them, you know, seeing kind of like how, how much the author was, you know, driving details and bringing new things in and stuff, which was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I hit play and, you know, I fell asleep and I woke up watching the twins and, you know, that was kind of cool. Uh, the ninth Jedi, I was enjoying that. And then I fell asleep in the middle of that. So I got to rewatch that one. So like, I don't even know which ones I've seen all the way through because I would just, I'd put it on in the background and just start doing some other stuff. Cause I was like, well, it, it, it's not canon you know it's it's nothing to the story that i already know of star wars and it you know it so it wasn't something that like i needed to watch it to pay attention to the details it was something i just put on for popcorn mm. eating you know like yeah i i tinker around usually that's hard for me to do you know some people they put on their audiobooks and they go to work and i'm like i i can't do that like i gotta focus in on what i'm hearing because like i'm adding it to the labyrinth of information i know about star wars this doesn't count in that regard it's it's almost like legends end camp you know, it's non non continuity, <laughs> and I could just take it for what it is. So I haven't really digested it the way I would normal Star Wars. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I really, I really liked the the Ninth Jedi. Mm-hmm. That was the one with Margrave Juro, and I thought that was that was pretty pretty cool. It had the, the whole idea of a saber smith. Um, I I loved that idea. I'm um, digging the concepts that are brought up in a lot of the different episodes. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the one that a lot of people, the casual people that haven't got into the episodes and stuff, you've seen with the duel when the uh, the bandit takes and ignites her umbrella type thing, which is just an accessory piece, which I thought was kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I did like you. I think um, being free from trying to fit it in with Star Wars canon, that wouldn't have worked. I th- I'm glad that they went kind of pure experimental although i don't really understand the whole the ronin tie-in of all the books that you could do but um and, especially and what's the fact weird that, about the book is like it's adding depth okay but i'm having the opposite issue like i really enjoyed the episode but the book i'm having a hard time with because i want to know more details because like the bandit from that episode where we watch him kill her like she doesn't die but she's resurrected and it talks about her dying but now she's a demon and i'm like what uh, like I hope the book explains it but from what I'm hearing from other friends it doesn't really explain it some kind of like there are concepts that I want to know more about but the nature of how these are being produced I don't know if you'll ever go back to it and it makes me think of like the first time I yeah. read Era to the Empire and it, you know the words of hyperspace and you know all these Star Wars concepts that I was like well I don't really know but eventually I'll understand it I don't know if you're ever going to understand some of this stuff in the Ronin book because it's just so new and so yeah. different. It is. You can read a full spoiler, uh, spoiler-free review uh, on the on the Star Wars Report blog uh, by Matt Rushing, and he did a good job. He get well, he kind of broke it down. I was reading his review, but essentially, and uh, I'll paraphrase it. I won't read the whole thing, but you can read it. But the the whole idea, sort of the premise of the book flies in the face of what they've tried to do with publishing fo- so far, which is like all the previous books are like adding to and part of the same canon and trying to build on and tie in with existing material. And since it's tied to visions, it doesn't really do that. It doesn't really add to the, the canon of Star Wars. It adds to the canon of the episode of Visions, which is a different set of rules and a different proposition. So at least for Matt, it didn't right. work too well. But I, I thought um, I, I, I liked the review. It kind of it kind of gave me a heads up about the about the book but i've been uh you know i'll save it for boba's bounty i have i have a two-part boba's bounty now i'm gonna write it but uh because uh, <laughs> otherwise i'll forget um but no i think um oh sorry one of the things that i i do enjoy about this is the fact that lucasfilm is willing to put money towards a story that isn't being told in disney's prime canon and that gets me excited as you know as a legend here we go there's always that window of hope man (laughs) i'm like maybe someday i'll get my you know my sword of the jedi book i don't care i don't even care how i get it like was that just the idea that they're willing to do that i'm like from the start i said maybe in 10 years (laughs) it um did they ever finish that sword of the jedi no, no. It, it never got very far. I, I want to say Golden just had a few of uh, aspects of the story outlined, and she shared some of that. But you know, there was a friend of mine was we were talking online, and he's like, "Well, it wasn't like there was a lot of stuff." And I mean, just you know, off the top of my head, there's like twelve different plot lines that were just left wide open that they could go back to. And you know, I've always said it'd be cool to have them go back into it, either as an actual initiative where that was the purpose was to wrap up all those you know, loose threads and, and tie it up like a nice little bow or just go back in general once a year kind of thing and give fans like me that are clamoring for both that 
added little thing because every time I open Ronin, that is one thing that definitely kind of stings about it is like I'm like they're willing to do this, but they still for some reason won't do that with Legends. They'll, they'll sell the old books all day long. I saw but they won't give dude, us something new. Yet. I was in Target the other day and I saw the you know a smell that is fresh print. You know, fresh, <laughs> inky print smell smell of these brand new paperback editions of the Thrawn trilogy. They're right mm. there in right there in like the bestseller science fiction section of Target right now. And I was like, uh, it was like Legends, and I was like, wow, they they still sell. They're still doing it. They're still doing their thing. You know, and Christy Golden, um, very talented writer. Like I know she did Dark Disciple. Oh, good book. Too. Um, which is which is a longtime fan favorite. Which I talked about on the last episode with William. Well, we were kind of reminiscing on and and talking about you Cantina and kind of the old expanded universe versus the you know Legends versus the Disney era fiction. And I think um, it kind of naturally came up. And I talked about Dark Disciple, but I remembered I actually never finished that book. I never read it because someone spoiled it for me. I won't say anything, but so I'm I was sorry. like, "Oh, why bother reading?" But you know, I actually I picked up a copy. Um, I put it. I was going to talk about it in um, Bubba's Bounty, but I uh, suffice to say, I uh, I got a library card. I'm so old now, <laughs> but I went and I like snagged a bunch of Star Wars books from the library, nonfiction and fiction, and one of them is Dark Disciple, and I think I'm going to tackle it. That's my. It's, plan it's anyway. worth it. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Um, so. You know, you, you get certain character fates you know in that book and i for me those have always been the types of books that i remember the most mm -hmm. um good bad happy or sad books like traitor in legends where you know uh a character dies with the phrase none shall pass uh you know one of my favorite characters dying in star by star i mean it just vector yeah. prime <laughs> you know major deaths just resonate yeah. with me with Star Wars. I like my Star Wars dark, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Well, you know what, uh, Aaron, or Aaron, Mark, I said Aaron because I was looking at my notes from last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, um, I, you, you, we rolled by it a little quickly. Um, you, you talked about it with with old things that they're bringing back. You know, if they maybe if they keep remaking old video games set in the. Uh, Legends timeline, which Republic Commando is, maybe you do have a chance uh, because what they're doing is uh, Aspire Media is uh, has two new bundles out, and th they've actually done done the um, development for these before. But uh, they're new to Nintendo Switch, or at least Republic Commando is. But they're releasing a Star Wars Racer and Republic Commando um, bundle that you can purchase for both Nintendo Switch and PS4. And then also a Jedi Knight bundle for Jedi Knight and Jedi Knight 2 that you can also get for both the PS4 and Nintendo Switch. And as someone who owns both of those platforms, those are my primary video game platforms, I think that's great news, great value, and hopefully a way to expose people who haven't had a chance to play those games to, to those games. I, I freaking want to play some Republic Commando on my Nintendo Switch. Well, and I don't know if you mentioned it before, but we also have the uh, KOTOR remake that they're doing for PlayStation. Yeah. Um, no, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago when they first announced, yeah. but it's the same company, Aspire Media. Um, yeah, but that's th nice. It, that's not just like porting it to a new platform. They're completely remaking it, new graphics and everything. Mm-hmm. Which I'm and and, and they're And they're not, you know, claiming that it's being redone to be told in canon. I mean, it's it's legitimately, it even says in the title, it's the remake. It's like, yeah, I, I, I'm getting it kick out of it. Although that. maybe don't put remake in the title. It feels kind of cheap. It is I'm just weird, saying. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We talked about that. It's a little, just a little weird. Um, uh, all right, Mark, let's, let's, we got to hit on some comics and then we'll do Boba's Bounty. All right. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I, th I thought that was why you were calling me Aaron because it went into the wheelhouse of you <laughs> and Aaron's mouse and castle. Uh, you know, there's a new Disney world hotel, the galactic cruiser. Yes. yes. Uh, it's the legendary Halcyon. It's getting a comic book. Like not only is it about to launch, I, I think what it launches March, 2022. Yes. It just uh, sold out. Actually. I saw a headline about tickets that. right now for their two day voyages to Batu and back again. Mm -hmm. uh, a Star Wars tale. That's what they should have called it. Really, a Star Wars tale. Two and back again. Oh, but <laughs> two and back again. A Star Wars tale. <laughs> I, so uh, the, uh, it's it's going to be kicked off with Star Wars Halcyon Legacy. It's a five issue comic book miniseries. Marvel is going to be debuting next year. Um, Ethan Sachs is writing it. He's the one who uh, is doing the recent Bounty Hunter run. Uh, art by uh, Will Slenny. 
I haven't. Re- have you read any of War of the Bounty Hunter? That's it's. What, I've pre-ordered the the trade paperback. I haven't read any of the issues. I I've only flipped through them uh, down at the comic book store. I didn't get to really dive into them. I'm loving the art though. Uh, it's yeah, pretty cool. Um, what's interesting about this is it's going to be a story that spans centuries, so readers can revisit the iconic ship at different points in the timeline of Star Wars. Uh, you'd be able to see Lando or Hondo. You watch them team up for the first time, or you can travel the stars with a featured tale that leads into the events at the resort. That's what excites me. And I guess they're placing it between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker, which gives us a year to play with, first of all. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, that that's I still haven't got to go to Batu. I'm really excited to do it. Um, I want to cosplay the hell out of it. I know, you know, yeah. you were talking with with William Devereaux, uh, his co-host Tom, uh, you know. I chat with him on Facebook quite a bit. He builds lightsabers as an addictive hobby. I think he's up to his 15th. Or if he's not, Tom, that's your incentive to get there quick. <laughs> um, but he took and did one of those little kit bash and made a, a, a comlink device for his phone. Yep. And when I was watching him do that process, I'm like, dude, this is what I got to do, man. Like, I... I want to do that so bad. I want to go down there and do the whole cosplay thing. Um, our good friend Erin Victor's down there right now. She's visiting Batu. I'm oh, watching nice, her pictures. Nice. She brought one of her little uh, Twi'lek uh, stuffed animals with her. I'm like, just, I just, it's so cool, dude. This is, this is my thing, and I've got to get there, Riley. Nice. You've been there what three times now? How many times have you gone to Batu? I've been, yeah, three or four. I'm spoiled. I've been, I went, I went when they first opened at Disneyland because that was the first mm-hmm. one to open, and then. Uh, the last few times I've been down to Disney, and this is the thing of being within a six-hour drive of Disney, it's dangerous. Um, <laughs> but um, of the of the few t- of the handful of times we've we've been to Batu, pretty much every every single time. And I'll tell you what, it's the the most um, the environment is 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 beautiful. The uh, attractions, um, I never expected Rise of the Resistance to be way better than a ride with the freaking Millennium Falcon, but it is. It's, See, it's, and I hear that a lot. Yeah. I, I haven't looked too much into it. Like, I saw the early trailers and stuff, but then I'm like, I don't know how much I want to know. So I've been trying no, to... I, no. I, I'm not staying spoiler-free, but I am kind of like just like not going out of my way to watch the ride. <laughs> yeah, I am... Um yeah, I think uh, I think you'll have a great time. It's 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 it is an immersive experience. That's something that they do really well. Um, I, I I also wanted to talk about. So I I will say that I'm not. I'm not hyped about this one, mostly because they did a Galaxy's Edge tie-in mm. comic, and and the story was pretty thin, and, right? And it didn't really tie in to the events of the the Galaxy. They shoehorned Hondo and Aka in in a way that didn't really work, and he was the I only character that I liked. That. The, <laughs> the comics have been light. I want to say Black Spire, the book. Yeah, probably. I don't. I don't know if you've had a chance to read that one, but no. when I got done with that, I was really excited. I wanted to go to Batu. It really gave you an idea of like inside Doc Onder's place, yeah. um, the, uh, Olga's cantina, and all that kind of stuff. So like, I was like, oh, dude, I want to go to these places now. Like, they were really described well. Yeah, but you're right. The comics have been anything but a journey to. <laughs> yeah. Well, so but I will. The comic I am excited for is is what they're calling the Hidden Empire, which arrives next year. So there are, it's hard. So I've become, and I've been in recent years, Mark, as you know, much more into Star Wars comics. I've, I've read most of them. Yeah. Yes. Like I've read, which is crazy for me. I've some, I've collected most, I'd say probably I'm at about 75% of every Star Wars comic series that's been released so far. I always do. And this isn't digital, right? No, I always, I buy them physically. I have a giant box of them. But um, I like right next to me at the desk. I have my two most recent ones, which is the trade paperback of the High Republic series. Uh, there is no fear, and then the other one, which is the uh, ongoing Star Wars series, Operation Starlight. They've started the um, the twenty twenty edition. Uh, started with uh, the Destiny Path, which is volume one. But this is essentially think of it as the the Empire Strikes Back era of the of the Star Wars ki- tie in. Marvel comics. So the first run of Star Wars comics, just you know, that started with Star Wars, so mm. well done. They tie into the films so well, and and of these two series, High Republic definitely not great. <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, gonna, I was going to ask you about that because I mean I, I'm not as 
up to date on my High Republic. I want to say I'm more up to date on High Republic Adventures uh, because when I was reading Race to Crash Point Tower, characters from that factored in, and I wanted to know like kind of where the time frame was, so I rushed out and I read those. But the whole Drenger threat is... You know, it was built up really cool in the books. You were like, okay, this is this is kind of cool. And you knew it was kind of playing out in the comics. And then you get to uh, Lorna D's book, uh, The Tempest Runner. And it's just like, oh, yeah, a month ago, you know, that that was taken care of. And you're like, wait, what? What? So I go to the comics. And I, and I haven't read it yet. But everybody I've talked to that has, and that's why I'm asking you right now to see if you collaborate, it's quick and... and like wasted opportunity and just glossed over almost. What? Which parts glossed over that you're hearing? The the, the fate of the Drenger threat, because it's only told in the comics. Because oh, in the next book, those... it's like a, it's like it's it's been taken so, care of, and you're like, what? Uh, pardon my ignorance, because this is where you guys who have actually read all the books, because I, I started Flight of the Jedi and and, and never finished it. Um, as I talked about on the show, the limb, I'm, I am going to dig back in and and uh, give it a, the old college try once again. Out, but when you say the, the, the Dringer, that remind me the faction that they are. They're like the... Um, They're the plants. They're the uh, the plant species that call all uh, people meat. Yeah, yeah. I, I do know what you're talking about, but I didn't remember that necessarily. It's, it's, it's just weird is what it is. See, from, from, from the book side of things, you knew that they had found, oh, what'd they call it? Like the main propagator, I think is what they called it. Like it was almost like the queen of them. And Avar Chris had rounded up a group that were going to go and take care of it. And then in the next book, well, well, it's not a book. It's an audio drama that I was listening to the Tempest runner, the story of, of Lorna D they're like, yeah, the Dringer threat was taken care of over a month ago by Avar Chris. And you're like, Wait, no! Yeah. <laughs> I wanted that was like those guys were set up to be really creepy, man. They they were like the Vong of this story arc. Like they could take over people, and and you seeded them onto planets, and like their spores could get in the air and get in your lungs, and they took over everything. And if you chopped them up and you didn't dice them to you know vaporized, they would come back more like Hydra snakes. Like, dude, oh man! And then they were gone in in one book series or one comic arc. I'm like. Really? That was a wasted opportunity there, Marvel. Yeah, I'm actually flipping back through it now. And, and yeah, even in the comic book, there are... Because aren't they, like, weird in that they're the things they kind of possess you of sorts yeah. like an attack yeah skier skier the whole big plot for skier in the comics is you know how much have they changed him uh because they you know they grew him an arm at one point yes yes and that so that is the central um drama of the comic the and that is the the jedi padawan so, and we're talking around this and i feel like the podcast there's most i don't know what i'd be really curious what percent if i us an email if you actually read the comics and the books of high republic i'm curious what like the percentage of the show is maybe we should do a social media poll or something like that but i feel like we're just kind of talking around in vague terms that make no sense if you haven't read it but suffice to say all i know from the comic series is that it's the story of the padawan uh who's keeve trinis yeah. And her master is helping out Mark. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Skier. Skier. Skier is a Trandoshan. He is a Trandoshan master. Very gruff personality, a harsh master, but like with a heart of, not a heart of gold, but like means well. But he encounters. Well, at this point, they're even. Uh, she's a knight and he's a knight too. So it's, she's got that kind of, you know, look out for yes, her old master true. mentality. Yes, and so and their adventures take them uh, to a remote planet, which in which case um, they encounter and fight the uh, the Dringir, which are conceptualized as I can only best describe as something that looks like a Jim Henson puppet, a giant Jim right. Henson puppet. Right, Miss Seymour. So I say all that to say, yes, the 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 plot of the um, of, of Skier's involvement, and and, okay, and I'm going to give a spoiler warning. Although I that, again, since I it's not a great story, so I don't feel that bad about spoiling it. But fast right. forward a little bit if you need to. But so Skier faces this threat, and it's really interesting because he um, the. There, there's a form of mind control, and so um, his, his sort of like um, arrogance 
it's it's very marvel superhero-ish it's a sort of sort of arrogance is exploited and he thinks he's actually gaining an arm like as he grows it back because of this organic plant-like thing but instead it's kind of affecting his mind and possessing him and bringing out the worst in him and uh there's this whole sequence where he has to you know, face off against his former Padawan and that's, that's high drama, but the way it's done, it is almost, almost, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The way Skier's struggle is portrayed is, it gives Lots no of room. Hubris. Yeah, he's well, he's hubris, but it, it, it gives no room to be empathetic or sympathetic for his, for what's happening to him. A guy's literally, and they do that pro- in the book too. Like it's like, literally, you know, guy's every time being, he's brought up, you're just kind of like, what is it with this douchebag? <laughs> he's such a jerk. But that's the thing is, like, normally you you for someone being um, who's a well intentioned Jedi who was someone's master, and 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 the Padawan Keith Travis is sort of our main character. So her yeah. sympathy. I should be able to feel sympathy for her master in the way she does, her former master. But instead, it's he's 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 gross and he's 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 very he's not he's the opposite of likable. He's hateable. And so, as this tragedy befalls him, literally being possessed by a weird freaking plant monster that looks like a Jim Henson puppet. You guys wonder why I don't like this comic. He, he faces. <laughs> he's basically he. Uh, you you're sort of rooting for him to die. <laughs> and then he does. <laughs> so you kind of get your wish and you, you finish it. But in the midst of it, like right then in like the final issue though, there's like an, a bunch of huts show up, but then they have to kind of fight the huts. And that takes completely away from the conflict between Keith Trinis and her old master, which should have been the central like uh, character emotional conflict, but it serves more as a distraction and it involves the other two um, Jedi characters, um, right. that are kind of just there. You, you don't really know what their involvement is. They just kind of like serve the story as like additional victims of um, the drink gear. But I say oh, that's that Tessic and Tech and But here's the thing, Mark. This is why this is why you and I have different opinions on the EU. I say all of our differences can can be boiled down to. I'm 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 kidding slightly, but it's right. what is it with Star Wars expanded universe and even now, like Legends and now, it with the weird freaking Star Trek villains, whether it's the <laughs> Yusong Vong, whether it's the Dringir, whether it's freaking what was the um, Abeloth from Fate of the yeah. Jedi. It's always these weird off off the wall nebulous vague hard sci-fi like villains that make no they feel so out of place with my my experience of star wars and and the way that and frankly the way that george told star wars stories it it pulls it so far into the hard sci-fi realm that it just it doesn't and here's the phrase i hate here i'm gonna say it guys wait for it it doesn't feel like star war <laughs> and, and that was a valid criticism of a lot of things like new jet order and i had to agree i mean there was a, a time where i was like you know some of my favorite star wars is stuff that lucas had no i you know no direction in yeah that, that's fair i mean but, it's it's different strokes for different books so i think when these creatures were first you, you know when they were first introduced it was into the dark okay and they were set up as this really cool villain, you know, like the Sith had trapped them, had frozen them, and when the, the Jedi are walking by him, like, they mistake the idols that were there to trap the Drenger frozen in place as what was evil about the place, and they remove them to cleanse them, and when they do, they realize, wait, they, there's nothing here, mm-hmm. and when they go back, they realize, oh, shoot, we let these things, you know, free, and they're a big threat. And you're like, you know, you think it's all contained, but you're like, well, what about the main world? And then in the next book, you find out that the Nile are taking these things and dropping them on planets. So now all of a sudden, these things are spreading everywhere. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God, this is going to be a major threat. You get oh, to interesting. the rising storm. And at that point, it's kind of well, like but, but you know, a major, major battle happens. <sighs> and, and I can the piece Nile- these. Sorry, I to- I'm totally cutting you off, Mark, but I just want to focus on this thing, this thread that you're building. I think it's important mm-hmm. to recognize that they, they took the Nile, which is an interesting and I think good com- concept for for a villains for a series, these, this chaotic right. terrorists of sorts, 
and yeah. and instead it's like a new faction really which is cool in star wars but you you're you cram you're trying to cram too much in but i think by trying to make and yet another weird new uh threat on top right. of it so it's it's like you don't need both you don't need the nile and the drin gear and that was kind of where I was at the end of Into the Dark. I'm like, oh my god, now this threat's even bigger than the Nile. And then in the next book, you're like, oh, and and the Nile are what's spreading them. And you're like, uh, okay, so, that's that makes the Nile even more vicious so, because the Drenger threat is real, and now yeah. they're just dropping them all sorts of places. I mean, that makes the Nile even more terroristic. Sure, and it, it's consistent with them. But I think, well, so all right, so I'm. You know what I'm going to do now, Mark? Mm-hmm. I'm going to shut up. Because I haven't read all the books, so I'm I'm going to shut up because I'm spe- I, I've spoken in great detail, and it was a matter of time. And I'm glad I finally got it out of my system as to like what didn't work about the High Republic right. comics. So there you go, guys. I've alluded to it. I've been hinting at it for like the last two episodes. So there you go. I have to right. Mark. We don't have much time, so I, I know you've got uh, places to be. So uh, without further ado, let's do it. I made the promise at the beginning of the show. It's time mm-hmm. for Boba's bounty. Me. As you wish. Huh, that was a little cathartic, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Boba's Bounty, you know, uh, it's something that we try to do every week, but we're bringing it back. It's been a hot second. Uh, it's something we've read, listened to in the world of Harry Potter. <laughs> I told you guys I'm breaking all the rules. Um, I've been reading the Harry Potter series for the first time and I wanted to talk about it on the podcast and I don't have a Harry Potter podcast. So I have, um, I have two things I want to talk about with Harry Potter. My first time reading, I've watched all the films. I want to say twice, actually. Um, not when they came out, actually, I binge watched all of the Harry Potter films. I think like, uh, around the, I think right when I started college, I want to say, but um, I've always loved the universe. I loved the character. I, I really enjoyed the films, but, but for reading the books the first time, I have such an appreciation for JK Rowling's um, gift of, of language and the way that she writes her characters. So uh, she ha- she has this incredible talent and I, you know, I'm saying this, you know, decades after the books came out, I'm sure plenty of people have done a much better job now, you know, analyzing these (laughs) books, but just for Riley's perspective, reading these for the first time, the way she writes is the perfect balance of getting inside a hair, a a character's head without overcomplicating inner dialogue or thoughts. And it's, that's a difficult, difficult writing um, challenge because you you can empathize with Harry and Hermione and Ron, and you kind of understand a lot about like how they tick and what how they think. But at the same time, she doesn't try to like overly make an overly complex emotional uh, inner dialogue for any of the characters, and 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 it's just done perfectly to be able to as you know in stark contrast to the previous fiction I was just talking about, empathize with the with the characters. Uh, and and with their flaws, and and it she she pulls th- she it, she takes what um, Tolkien and what C.S. Lewis and even later George Lucas and Steven Spielberg even with their movies they these classic uh, you know time eternal true characteristics of the human conditions has been a part of our human story forever the theme of loss of family of friendship the theme of redemption. And um, and and I and I breezed right past it, but that's the second thing I want to talk about. The first thing is just how incredibly well she writes the characters, um, you know, in her, in a way that you can empathize them with them. And the second thing is just how how incredibly incredibly powerful friendship is in these books. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in a time mark where, um, and this is really what's hit home coming out you know on uh, a year and a half into this freaking pandemic um and being you know this pandemic hit right after getting stationed at a new place new state place that we've never lived before just getting married in a time where we then all had to lock ourselves in our houses Um, right and and it's the the theme of just like um human connection and community and family in the way that she writes the relationships of Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and 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 the relationships of the 
of of the Weasley family and how they've kind of, they adopt, they more or less adopt Harry and Hermione into their family. Um, It's, it's so beautifully written and tells a very powerful, powerful um, lesson and story about the importance of um, the connection that comes with friendship and family. And, you know, those aren't always blood, um, right. but it, it, it's, it's a simple lesson, right? It's, but it's something that I think, I, I don't think outside of, uh, the Lord of the Rings, my, my favorite books of all time, I don't think I've ever read anything that, that does a better job of, of, of that, of telling that part of our human experience. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Harry Potter talk guys. <laughs> Ton fan with. The face Loran <laughs> looking up at the Iron Fist. That's a friendship story. Oh, man. So I've been reading The Cursed Child, uh, the, what, the ninth mm-hmm. book, what would be the ninth book, but yeah. it's a screenplay. Um, I, you know, we introduced Jaina to it this year for the same reasons, and she absolutely loves it. Like, she's mm. a big Hermione fan. Um, so we're learning about the Potter and how Slytherin at the moment. And <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool so far. Um, Albus Potter. And uh, yeah, we we've been doing that. Kind of what's interesting too is my one of my Boba's bounties is I, I'm big into crystals and stuff like that, and I've got this really cool selenite wand. Um, and I was you know talking with her about it, like how cool would it be, you know, as I'm reading the High Republic stuff and they're like going over stuff, and now with visions, new twists on on old concepts and stuff. But how cool would it be to have a Kyber crystal that's like a wand that a Jedi could use to focus <laughs> his own force energy down and use it like Harry Potter? I always thought it was like a really cool mm. would be a cool t- thing to do. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be that would be cool. Uh, now I know um, Mark, you had Ronan here kind of as your Boba's bounty, but we I know we talked a little bit about it on the show. But any parting shots for us? Yeah, I mean, Ronan, like I said, so far it's a pretty good book. I, I really like the cover of it, the outside sheath and stuff. is a, It's a really cool texture. Um, but my Boba's Bounty, I was going to do Ronan, but then we were talking about it. So what I was going to talk about is my Black Series uh, Expanded Universe Legends figures. I finally got the four that I ordered. Uh, it's Darth Maul, Sith Apprentice, uh, Carner Jax, which isn't Carner Jax. It's actually the other guy, uh Kanos, I think. Uh, Jackson, the bunny rabbit, <laughs> and the Luke Skywalker. I can't with, believe they made that a figure. <laughs> right? Yil Samiri. And what's really crazy about it, the boxes on these are beautiful. Like, so much so I'm mad because I don't want to open them. Like, and I want these figures out of the box, but I only ordered one of each, so I don't open them. But the Jackson figure is like the uh, Bad Batch ones that are coming out this year mm. where they're not done like they're animated style. They're done as if they were realistic. And so he really, the rabbit looks that sounds creepy. I was, that's exactly what I was about to say. I, it sounds like the creepiest thing I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they took the cute Jackson bunny rabbit that was kind of like a green bugs bunny in space and made him look like something from The Simpsons. <laughs> I... You please post a picture of that on our Facebook, Mark. <laughs> uh, well, and that's what you know. If I can't think of a better way to transition out is, is, is to plug. You should tune in. Uh, Mark sometimes goes live. He posts pictures from a studio. If you uh, Facebook.com slash Star Report, you got to do that. You got you got to hit us up. But that is, like I say, going to wrap up this episode four hundred seventy seven of the Star Wars Report podcast. All right, Harleman, tell the good people where they can find you on the internet. Well, I'm doing TikTok now, Illogical Rogue 2, pretty much everywhere and everything out there, Illogical Rogue 2, that's me. Um, yeah, we're doing Beyond the Films still, launching uh, episodes there every month. Nice. Yeah, stay tuned there. Illogical Rogue 2, that's where you want to go. Follow the show, like I already mentioned, Facebook, at uh, Star Wars Report on Twitter. And of course, StarWarsReport.com for Beyond the Film, Star Wars Report Podcast, for Ion Canon, for Star Wars Bookworms. You can find them all there at StarWarsReport.com. So we also find the show notes and links to everything we've talked about today on the podcast. Uh, all there for this episode. And then um, I feel like I'm forgetting something, Mark. I'm always forgetting something. Oh, of course, uh, I, iTunes, we appreciate any reviews. It's... Uh, starsupport.com slash iTunes or if the use the Apple Podcast app you can leave us a rating and review right there 
Shoot us an email, starreport at gmail.com. Let me know if you're if you're caught up on High Republic. And we're going to talk more High Republic as I catch up. All right, Mark? We'll, I'll, we'll, I'll bring, oh, yeah. we'll all come back after I've actually read these books. And then uh, we'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode of the Star Wars Report Podcast. Remember, may the Force be with you. And many podcasts died to bring you podcast died. <laughs> many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. Jeez. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the most anticlimactic ending I think I've ever had. <laughs> They're dying on the left. They're dying on the right. They're dying in the trenches. They're dying at night. <laughs> In a world, one man. <clears throat> Good times, man. Good show. Good show. I was, I was, I did not know I had that many passionate feelings about freaking whatever her master's name was. I keep forgetting it. Skier. 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 <laughs> Skier. In the audio book for Lorna D, uh, he's in that and. God, it's just he's just as nauseous. I mean, and he looks cool, like art wise, he looks oh, like yeah, he'd be the coolest is, dude. Yeah. But come on, uh, definitely makes me want to see a transocean Sith Bosk as a Jedi. Come on, come on. All right, yeah. I'll let you go. Now. Okay, I, I've got to let you go, man. I know you're a little late. Sorry about that, but All appreciate right. you. Oh, we're-